Well, everybody, welcome to our online service here on March 15, 2020. As you might recognize, it's a little bit different. And we're going to go ahead and take that and we're going to redeem it as we gather from home to home, putting our stream out there for everyone to see, for you to gather in your homes. And the verse that comes to mind, I'm going to read it to you. It's out of the book of Hebrews. We'll be reading it uh, together. And it says it this way. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession. As you guys know, our state governor has banned by precautionary sake the gathering of groups of 250 or more. And so we have complied with that ban. And so there's, I think there's only about 249 people here at church today. Actually, there's like three people here today. But here's the deal. We are not going to let go of our gathering. We're going to hold fast the confession of our faith. And here's what it goes on to say. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So as we hold the confession of our faith, the Bible instructs us to consider other people and how we might serve them. And here's the verse I was getting to. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more the more, as you see the day approaching. So even though we're not gathering here, we're gathering today from home to home, and it's the 9 a.m. service right now. And so if you're watching this service later on today at the 11 or the 6, know that we showed up to church, just a skeleton crew, the production crew, we're all here. And outside is Pastor Adam and Pastor Rory and Sarah's out there with coffee for the people that are showing up and didn't get the memo. And yet the reality is, our desire is that we should continue in the confession of our faith, to gather, to be organic possibly, and maybe even different. I don't know how you guys are all processing the new quarantines and mandates and restrictions and shortages and closings and all these things. It's, it's something we've never been through as a culture, as a community, as a country, and as a world. And yet God is still in control. Jesus is still real. And because Jesus is real and because God is good and because life is tough, we can continue to gather. And so we've chosen to put together the best effort we can do on this Sunday to present to you biblical teaching and guidance. We're actually going to go into a time of worship in just a minute. We've got an eight-minute set that was put together by Pastor Ryan and Tiffany. And, and just eight minutes of worship where you can meditate and connect with the Lord. And so as awkward as this might be for you, let me just tell you, it's more awkward for me because I'm preaching to a camera lens. But I know you guys are there and I love you. And I know that the Lord is watching us. He's testing us. He's seeing what's going to happen. And really, the rest of the world is watching everybody in the world. And when the body of believers, the community of faith, when they get tested, we're no different than anybody else, except there is one difference. We know the author and finisher of our faith. As a matter of fact, if you've been reading through the book of Hebrews, tomorrow we're going to see that in chapter 12. Today was chapter 11. I'll talk about that in a minute. But as believers, we know what's going on and we know where God is taking us and what God has taken us through already. And so with that in mind and with that hope, I believe it's our job, it's our opportunity, it's our challenge to rise up and to let God Give us the courage and the leadership needed during this time. Hey, check this out. Here's how it's going to go this morning, or maybe it's this afternoon, or maybe it's tomorrow, or maybe it's next week. You're watching this. Here's what's going to happen right now, though. I'm going to go through just a couple announcements because they're real easy today. Normally, the announcements take 10 to 15 minutes. Today, the announcements are everything's canceled, okay, until 
April. Everything's canceled. Matter of fact, did you know that the NBA canceled? The Major League Baseball Association canceled? The NHL Association canceled? Did you know that Disneyland canceled? Disneyland shut down. I was on my Disneyland app today and they are shut down till April 1st. And man, we didn't even know what's going to happen. So here, here's, here's the point at South Beach Church. Everything's canceled this weekend until further notice. All the meetings, the men's groups, women's groups, Bible studies, all that stuff. We're just trying to put a stop to the coronavirus and trying to adhere to this social distancing mandate. We're, we're doing our best. There is one group, one group that is meeting at South Beach Church, though, okay? And it's, a, it's not a close proximity group. It's Fridays, Friday morning, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And it's morning worship where Pastor Marty sits on stage and he's distanced from everybody. And, and you sit in your own chairs and you don't touch nobody and come near to him. But you come in and the Spirit of the Lord is here. Fridays, okay? Every Friday until Easter Sunday. And so I would encourage you, man, not to come visit people because that's not what it's about, but come seek the Lord. Friday, 7 to 8 p.m. So that's the announcements. That's what's happening. And by the way, we're going to continue producing sermons every Sunday like this for the next four Sundays in a row, counting this Sunday and three more, which leads us to the Sunday after all of that, which is April 12th. I don't know what's going to happen. April 12th, though, I do know this. Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, kind of a big deal. We have a lot of plans in place for Easter Sunday. And if we're able to slow this quarantine down and slow this virus from spreading in Jesus' name, if we're able to do that, if that's what we see, man, it it could be, I don't know. The next time we gather as a group corporately will be on Easter Sunday. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm I'm choosing to be excited about that because I'm anticipating that that is going to happen. And let me just say this before I say a bunch of other stuff. (sighs) Guys, we need to pray. We really need to pray. I'm all about sanitizing my hands and social distancing isn't really that hard. I can keep to myself and, you know, and, and take precautions. But we need to pray. We need to pray for God to heal our nation, to heal the world. For the coronavirus to stop, for it just to die away, a bunch of sunny days come out, vitamin C to work, whatever, just supernatural intervention. We need to pray for that. Listen, but we also need to pray for our leaders, for for the worldwide organization that are making these decisions. Because as you know, it's not just the coronavirus that is affecting people. It's the economy and and social circles and and so many things. So last night about 11 o'clock, I was putting my notes together and considering And I've been praying, but the Lord asked me, he said, Luke, would you go to your knees? Would you go to your knees for this world? Would you cry out to me? Luke, have you labored? Have you labored in prayer for for the the leaders to know what to do? They're making big decisions. Do you think it was an easy decision or a big decision for us at South Beach to to come to this conclusion? It, It took faith. And then our president and and, and medical leaders, we need to pray. Don't just watch casually. Don't just go to the store and, you know, buy everything. Don't do, just seek the Lord. And so my encouragement, hopefully you're at home right now with your family watching this. Maybe even better, you're, you're at a, a trusted family. You're, you're doing a watch party. You're watching this later today or, or right now. And, and you're there. God's given you as believers, you who know God, a mandate to hold fast the confession of our faith, to to not stop in gatherings, 
but instead to keep seeking the Lord. So here's what we're going to do next. Okay, we're going to play about eight minutes of worship. It's, it's a video. If you have good sound system at home, now's the time to turn it up and, you know, just listen. If your sound system, maybe you got headphones on, you're at Starbucks, you know, making sure nobody knows what you're doing. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in your car. Maybe you're with a group of people, but maybe you're not going to sing right now. I would encourage you to sing, but the words will be on the screen. And, and they're so true. And I would just encourage you, connect with Jesus right now. So you're being tested. It's easy to connect with Facebook and media and fake news. and What's going on? And did you hear? Did you hear? Listen, listen, listen. The whole world is being shook. Why? To wake us up. Get our attention. And you who are believers, like, like myself, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But, but maybe there's something in your life right now that the Lord is shaking. He sees you and he says, you know, you, you're, you're busy. You're just really, really busy. So I'm, so I'm going to quarantine you. I'm going to slow you down so that way you can seek me. We, I've, I've seen the Lord this week alone. I don't even know what day it is. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Sunday. But I have seen the Lord work this week, starting on Thursday when, when things got real heavy. I have seen him work in my own heart and through my own life as I have chosen to let go of some things and, and press in to the heart of God and let him use me and lead me and, and let him have me. Guys, this is, this is way bigger on a spiritual realm, way bigger on a spiritual spectrum, way bigger than a virus okay? or, or, or than a, a quarantine or than closures. It's way bigger. God loves the whole world. He loves the NBA. He loves the Major League Baseball. So he loves the players. <laughs> and he wants their attention. He wants our attention. This is just a, a, a rumbling, a mild rumbling. What the Bible says is a birth pain. It's not labor. It's not birth. Not yet. Birth and labor are coming. The Lord knows what he's doing. And this is just an opportunity. Jesus would call this an opportunity. In the book of Luke, chapter 21, we'll get there maybe today. I don't know how it's going to go. An opportunity to let him have your heart again. So we're going to begin with worship. And if you're in a crowd right now, it's just awkward. Man, just close your eyes and meditate on Jesus or sing, whatever the case is. So uh, during this time, I'm going to be doing the same thing, worshiping God, letting him search my heart. When the camera comes back on, I might be a puddle of water up here on the stage. I don't know, but I love you guys. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I need you to know this, too. Most of you already are aware. Our president has declared, declared. Today, a national day of prayer. That's incredible. Our president, he looks at the horizon and he sees the state of the nation. He says, you know what we need to do on Sunday? Pray. Seek the Lord for the healing of our land. And it's not just the healing of our land out there. It begins with your heart. It's a national day of prayer. National day of seeking the Lord. What a test. What an opportunity for Christians to not just go to church, not just attend services at a building, but to literally be the church. Because we just recently read through the book of Acts as a church, five by five, the reading program. And as we read through the book of Acts, we saw the church organically living, producing fruit, going through trials and tests. It's our turn. 
It's our turn to produce faith, to produce fruit, to walk as the Lord would have us to walk. So I'm going to pray right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, Father, we just, in Jesus' name, just go to prayer with me. In Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, we love you and we need you. Lord, our country and our world needs you. This is, this is a pandemic, an epidemic I've never seen before where the entire world has been shook all at once. And we're all having the same conversation at the exact same time. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as we, men and women created in your image, that you would, Lord, speak deeper, not just to our, our, our fears on the surface, Lord, but to the muscle of faith deep within our hearts. And you would wake us up. We pray for mercy. We pray for help, Lord. We pray for deliverance. We pray for wisdom, Lord. We pray that this would, this would go behind us, that, Lord, you would just take away the coronavirus, just kill it, Lord. Let the, let the virus die off. In Jesus' name, would you just do a miracle? Where, Lord, the, the, the World Health Organization and the CDC, Lord, and everyone else, they don't even know what to say, except it just it died off. Would you do that in Jesus' name? And, Lord, would you wake us up? We're being tested. Our comforts are being taken away and, and fears are being offered to us. And we don't need to accept those fears. And so in Jesus' name, would you help us to lead courageously? Would you help us, Lord, to rest in you deeply? And Lord, would you help us to pray and to seek you in ways like we've never done before? Lord, I for one surrender. I surrender. Lord, I'm a believer, a Christian, a follower, a soldier, a servant, a worker, a pastor, a shepherd, a father, a dad, a husband. I am all those things, Lord, but I repent. And I ask, Lord, do you take me even deeper than you've already taken me? That you would shake me, Lord, and do a new work. I repent of my busyness, Lord, of my carnality, of things that are just natural. Lord, I see all of that, and I just, I want to be nearer to you. And so, Lord, would you cleanse our world. The Bible says that judgment must begin in the house of God. So Lord, do a work in us, we pray, that you might do a work through us. And even now as we worship, would you be honored, Lord? Holy Spirit, you're so powerful. So would you enter the homes and the hearts and the ears and the minds as we meditate on Jesus, the author and finisher, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the capstone, the great I am, the great physician. We look to you, Jesus, now. Bless this time as we worship you and seek you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Worshiping the Lord in the midst of adversity, in the midst of testing, in the midst of uncertainty, is more sweet to him than worshiping him on those great days, which I love the great days where you go to Costco and it's a two for one deal on toilet paper and they have it. You know, I love the great days. But listen, church. There are other days, like this day, where we're being tested. This is unprecedented, the testing that we're going through. And I, I don't know. It could be the tip of the iceberg. It could be a little rumble. And, and we just worship the Lord. Did you know that the rest of the day and from Monday to Saturday, you're going to have opportunities to worship the Lord in what you do and what you don't do? in the way you carry yourself and in the way you react, not just to the things that you don't even know what is coming, but the things that you know what are. Schools canceled early and schedules are disrupted, vacations and events and sporting outreaches are canceled and, and all these things are taken from us. And yet the thing we have, okay, is faith, faith. As a matter of fact, check this out. I don't know if you guys are doing the 5x5 reading program through March. You can download these at southbeachchurch.org and read with us. We started in Mark and then read Acts, and now we're in Hebrews. And today, Sunday, we came to Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, which details a myriad of believers as they walked through tests, each and every one of them, listen, listen, with the promises of God in their hands who God is and what God had done and what God said he was doing. And each one of them were tested. As I was reading Hebrews 11 this morning, I came to verse 6. I just want to read it to you quickly. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe two things, that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In those days where everything's going great, it's fine, it's perfect, there's all provision and you don't really need faith, those days can be all chalked up to a loss. But when it's testing time, when it doesn't go your way, when the provision isn't there, it's and those opportunities that you need and I need and we get to respond in two ways, two things, to believe two things. Number one, so easy, <laughs> this is cool, that God is. That he's what? That he is. That he's the I am. That he's the Alpha, the Omega. 
that he's the vine, that he's the branch, that he's the door, that he's the water, that he's the gate, that he is. Just believe that he is. And when you wake up in the morning and you're being tested and you say, you know what? God is. When Moses asked God who to tell Pharaoh had sent him, God responded, tell him, I am. (laughs) That's it. I am. Guys, no matter what you go through, no matter what you have or don't have, you must believe that God is. Second, he said in Hebrews 11.6 that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. you got to believe this. Not only do you believe that God is, but that God is up to something good. That he's actually doing good things. That he actually has rewards with him. He's going to bless you. He's going to give you more faith. He actually can't bless you, listen, apart from faith. When you have those days that don't require him or his word or his strength. And he says, oh, essentially it looks like you took care of yourself. All right. But there are those other days where your foundation is shook. And and we are in those days. So here's the good news. Hebrews 11, read it later. God's given us an opportunity to produce faith, to please him. There's no greater joy in the world than being pleasing to God. He's it. We can seek the pleasure of men and we can seek to make others like us and yet it will never fill the hole within. Seek to please him. Now, I just want to read a few more verses out of Hebrews 11. It was so good this morning. Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, goes on to talk about these men and women of the faith. And he gets to the end. I'm just going to read, read quickly. Starting in verse 32, he kind of, he just says, guys, there's been so many heroes. And he says this in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. And also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, listen, subdued kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the age of, edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong and became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of their enemies. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. I just, what's he saying? He's saying the men and women of the past, they were tested and shook too. In every day of their lives and in their dying deaths, they heard God's word and that was enough. They held the promise. They didn't receive it in their lives, but instead they trusted And they let life take its course as they believe two things. That God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He has a couple more verses. And all these, 
having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should be made perfect apart from us. First one of chapter 12, which is tomorrow's reading, just one verse. Therefore, and you always got to ask yourself, Bible students, if there's a therefore, what's it there for? His conclusion, the hall of faith, the witnesses of old, because of God's faithfulness to them and because of their example for us, therefore, our marching orders, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Last sentence, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Guys, this is so rich, so timely, that our Bible reading program would have us in Hebrews 11 and then tomorrow Hebrews 12. The hall of faith. Men and women have already been tested. And they found God to be true. And now it's our turn. It's our time. It's our opportunity. It's an opportunity. Man, I look for opportunities all the time. And by the way, this is not an opportunity I would have set up. But the Lord has asked us to be here, to be tested in our faith. And did you know, as I read through that list of heroes, Jephthah and David and Gideon and Barak, all these guys and gals that were tested. Did you know we have a few things in common with them? Number one, every single person in that list, just like you, had a toilet paper shortage. Think about it. Okay, sorry. But it's true. They were tested too. And the second thing they had in common with us, listen, more important than the other commonality, they, like us, had a promise of God, a promise. You see, the word of God has not left us without instructions. Some have actually called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Like, I'm on earth, now what do I do? Like, get in the book. What should I do if I get in trouble? Get in the book. What should I do if I get blessed? Get in the book. What should I do if I don't know the answers or what to turn or how to react? get in the book. See, God showed us. We got the promises. Abraham, the father of faith, was told by God, I'm doing something. Do you want to be a part of it? And Abraham, by faith, believed. And it was accounted to him as righteous. And the Lord said, you're my friend. You're my friend. You believe me? I said I was going to do some stuff. And you simply believed? And God said, you're my friend, Abraham. The Lord is looking for friends, his kids, and I got three kids, and, and, I, and I love them. And they're my kids, but they're also my friends. They're my friends. I love them. And, and, and when I say something to them or offer something to them, and, and there's, there's a reception of what I've offered to them, man, it just it bonds us together. It really does. And so the Lord has promises for his kids, the church, the Bible. We know what to do. So the first thing I want to say today in this sermon, hopefully you're taking notes and kind of just following with what's going on in the church God's not left us without instruction. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. Okay, there's, there's, it's just trouble. There's a virus. There's closures. You, it doesn't take much to just imagine the economic backlash that's going to happen. And I believe we're a strong community and country and we can rebuild. I'm not even, I'm excited. But we need help. We need help. And so the Bible says this. This is a word. Take your Bibles now and turn to 2 Chronicles 7. 
2 Chronicles 7. I'm just going to read to you. Because the Bible tells us what to do when we find ourselves right where we're at here on March 15th, 2020. In 2 Chronicles 7, Solomon is talking to God. Solomon's a wise guy, like the wisest guy ever. And God tells Solomon what to do when he gets in trouble. <laughs> it's as if he anticipated that he'd get in trouble, because he did. It's as if he knew that the children of earth would be in trouble, and we are. And so he told us what to do. I want to read to you out of verse 13, 2 Chronicles 7. It says, And when I shut up heaven, and there's no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, and I don't know if you guys have seen the recent locust plagues in Africa and the Middle East. It's unprecedented, just in the last couple, couple weeks. Or send pestilence among my people. Pestilence, plagues, viruses. God is saying when there's a famine or locusts or plagues, if and when that happens, because of humanity's ways and choices, this is a human problem. We, have cre we created this mess, just so you guys know. It's not God. <laughs> we, we did this. Yet God, so gracious, so gracious, that he says, if that happens to you, he tells us in verse 14, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. He goes on in verse 15, he says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. God is so good. He's made provision for our folly, for our mistakes. He's given us the instructions. Guys, the Bible's in our court. Last night I was putting this together and I've been praying. I've been leading. I've been making decisions. And I've been, I've been doing everything I can since Wednesday or Thursday. And it's been, it's, been pretty, it's been pretty incredible, to be honest. I'm exhausted. People immediately thought that once churches were closed for four weeks, that all the pastors were going on vacation. <clears throat> Not true. <laughs> I have texted and called and visited and prayed for more people in the last four days okay, than in a cumulative time all put together. It's, it's been incredible. And God has been using this opportunity to do something new. But last night when I was praying, I was putting it all together, and the Lord said, Luke, and I, I, told, I told you this, Luke, I need you to just get on your knees and pray for our country and for our world. See, as Christians, it's easy to know the answers and know some verses and, you know, oh, you reap what you sow and, you know, you know he's faithful and all. But the Lord, listen, please listen. The Lord has on purpose put the ball in our courts. He's saying, if you, then I'll. If you don't, then I won't. You have not because you ask not. This is the time to listen absolutely radically change the way you process and live in your Christian journey. I'm a pastor. Like, I do this for a living. I pray. I seek the Lord for a living. I've been doing it for 20 years. And the Lord says to me, more. I'm going to shake you, Luke. More. I want more of your heart. I want more of your life. I want more of your family. I want more of everything. 
Why would he want more of my life and my heart and my family? Because the Lord has more to give. He told this to Solomon. Solomon was the most wise, the richest man ever to live. Because that's how God works. And yet God knew that Solomon would need help and he knows that we need help now. And so the ball is in your court, Christian. Maybe you're with a group of people. Maybe you're by yourself watching. I don't know. Listen, for, for you, you, let the Lord search your heart. Let the Lord flip the tables in your temple. Jesus showed to the, up to the temple there right before he was betrayed and arrested and would die for our sins. And he showed up to the temple, the worshipers of God. And for the second time in his ministry, he flipped their temples, getting their attention, cleansing. And they asked him, who gave you authority to do this? It wasn't that it was the wrong thing to do. It's the right thing. They wanted to know who made you the boss. Did you know Jesus has the authority? Listen, and the wisdom and the love to flip the tables in the temple of your own heart and worship. And he will do that because he loves you. He will flip the tables, make a mess, throw everything that you've counted worthy and valuable possibly, all of your things and all of your systems and all of your ways and all of your faith that you've, you think is so precious. And the Lord says, <laughs> no, I want your heart. I want more. I want more because in my presence is fullness of joy. And so the Lord, man, America's been so blessed. We've been so Stinking blessed. And it's almost as if. Because did you know that right after Jesus flipped those tables? Did you know this? Matthew 24. You could turn there. Did you know right after Jesus flipped the tables? The disciples, their eyes were big as saucers. Like, Jesus is in so much trouble. They're going to kill him, you know. And so his disciples tried to calm him down. Tried to get him to reason. Like, Jesus, you're... I think you're just, I don't know, man. And in verse 1 of Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples doing their best. Okay, I'm just right there with them. Doing their best. This is what they say. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He just went nuts. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that, they shall, that shall not be thrown down. Stop right there, eyes up here. Your eyes are probably already up here. <sighs> Jesus wanted their hearts. The people of Jerusalem, the family of God, he wanted their hearts. They were religious. They had systems. They had all kinds of stuff, but it wasn't enough, and they weren't doing it right. Jesus one time rebuked the Pharisees who had Bibles strapped to their heads. They were so religious, they never missed church. And Jesus said in John chapter 5, right around verse 29, he said, you search the scriptures daily, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they that speak of me. Hello, McFly, I'm right here, Jesus was saying, I'm right here in front of you. And you don't even see me? Now listen, church, these are strong rebukes to religious people, to the Pharisees of the, of the, the day. I'm just going to let you know, Christian, you're the religious people of the day, you're the Pharisee of the day, you're, that's us. And to think that we don't need a strong rebuke, to think that Jesus doesn't want to have judgment begin in the house of God, it, he does. He loves you so much 
that he's willing to come into your temple and flip it over. And the knee-jerk reaction of his disciples were like, whoa, Jesus, did you see how cool the temple is? Did you see that? Look at the temple, Lord, it's so cool. And it was. Do you understand the temple at that time? We'll never understand. Like, we see the temple mount, which is the foundation stones. The temple in that day, 130-foot high golden gates. Stones that had been chipped out of a quarry miles away. 40 feet long, 20 feet thick stones that had been brought in, engineered and ordered precisionly, it's not a word, but perfectly, and they would stack them up and they would fit. You couldn't even put a knife blade in between them. It was, it was so perfect, amazing to, to do what? To worship God. And God showed up. Listen, God showed up. Listen, God showed up. He walked in and flipped tables. And the disciples are, are confused, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Jesus, the temple man, look at it, dude, look at it. And so Jesus said, you know why I flipped those tables? Because I want your hearts. And just so you guys know, and it's almost as if Jesus leaned in, follow me, boys. And he led his boys then to the Mount of Olives, down out of the temple, the southern steps, through the Kidron Valley, back up the Mount of Olives, and he sat them down. And he then gave to the boys a portion of scripture I'm going to read a little bit out of. It's called the Olivet Discourse. It's found in Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13, and Luke 21, the same sermon. And in it, check this out, Jesus talks about an important subject. A subject that has come into my conversation this last week. You know what the subject is? The end of the world. I've had a few people ask me, Luke, do you think this is the end of the world? I said, no. But I think it's one more birth pain on the way towards the end of God's plan. It's a birth pain. Because here, I don't know if you guys know how pregnancy works, but when a woman gets pregnant, okay, right off the bat, right away, she's pregnant. There's a baby. It's growing in there. And she might even run around after getting the test back. I'm pregnant. And you're looking at it like, okay, I don't see no baby. You know, but you know there's a baby in there. It's the best. And after a couple weeks, you still don't even know. Are you sure? You know, and, there's, and after about a month or two, little baby bump shows up. And she's been pregnant the whole time from the very conception. It's a baby until the deliverance, till birth. And when that baby's growing, there's things that are changing. And the woman continues, and it's awesome. And you feel, oh, oh I felt the kick, you know, and all, you know, all this stuff. And then after about six or seven months, okay, it's like the exorcism. You know what I mean? Head speaking. Get away from me. I'm pregnant. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I got three kids. I, and you're like, ah, you know. And, right? Am I right? Am I, am I right? I'm right. Anyways, here's the deal. And, and as that baby, man, it's ready to come out. And that mom wants that baby out. And, and the mom starts to experience Braxton Hicks or, or, or mini contractions. Just, oh, oh. What'd you feel? And it's just, just, oh, you know, and I'm just, Anyways, I'm going to get in trouble for this now. My wife's at home watching. Love you. And, and, and it gets more and more. And then as it gets closer to deliverance, to labor, okay, the contractions begin. Let me just make sure you understand why I'm talking about this. Genesis chapter 3. Sin entered the world. And God, right off the bat, looked at the woman. He looked at the man. And he made a promise. He said, right now, I'm going to give to you a promise of my son, the conception of the Savior. 
the conception of the plan. It's happening. It's happening. And from that promise, how many ever thousands of years ago, earth has been pregnant, getting bigger and waiting for the deliverance. And everything that we've gone through, every trial through history has been evidencing this pregnancy. God's doing something. And now we're getting, and people ask me, is it the end of the world? And no, I said, no, this is just a birth pain. It's a birth pain. It's a, it's a, a sorrow, as it says in verse 9. We'll get there in, in just a second. As, as a matter of fact, just read it with me. I want you to see this. Let me, let me read verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. These guys are tripping, saying, hey, tell us, when will these things be? That is, when will the temple be destroyed? Question one. And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Whoa, question two. Throughout the Olivet Discourse, there are two questions being answered interchangeably. And Jesus gives shadows and answers and pictures to, to both answers. The temple would be destroyed 40 years later. Done. Stone upon stone, pulled off by Titus and his Roman rulers. They would take the temple and destroy it, searching for the gold that had melted during a fire. You, you guys know history. You've seen this. But the other question, is this the end of the world? Uh, so Jesus leaned in. And he gave them a few, a few clues. I'm just going to read nine verses, okay? I'm just going to read it and make a couple observations. First one, verse four, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. In your more modern translations, it says, beware of fake news. <laughs> it doesn't say that, but it should. Take, take heed that no one deceives you because there's going to be counterfeits. Now, by the way, there had never been somebody that came on the Jewish scene at that time up until Jesus' day that claimed he was the Messiah. Jesus was the first to claim I'm the Messiah. Did you know that right after Jesus in the first century, there was 65 different men that flew on the scene and said, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. What? He said, take heed that no one deceive you. You see, here's the thing about deception, just so you guys know. Deception only works when there is something that is actually authentic. This is why you're never going to see a counterfeit $4 bill. No one's ever going to, hey, let's counterfeit a bunch of fours. Let's make a bunch of fake fours because there's no real four. Jesus comes on. He's the real deal. Everything else other than Jesus Christ is just a counterfeit. It's a knockoff. It's fake news. Jesus' first words, guys, in the end, those reading now, take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars. This is how it's going to be. Rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. And all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Famines, worldwide hunger, shortages, pestilences, plagues, and viruses. Earthquakes in various places. All these things are going to increase. Just like a woman when she's pregnant begins to experience these mini contractions until finally things begin to speed up. Verse 8, all of these are the beginnings of sorrows. Verse 8, some of your translations rightfully read, all of these are the beginnings of birth pains. Birth pains. And so what's happening right now in our culture? And Jesus goes on. You can read this in your own time this week. As you draw near to the Lord and carve out more time with him. People have been asking, what's happening in, in, in our culture and what, what should I do? And Matter of fact, as we get more sensitive to the Lord. You ever seen, actually you've seen it right now, but when an earthquake 
Man, people, everyone pays attention. When pestilence hits or famine is around, everyone stops what they're distracted by, focuses on what needs to happen next. And this is the question for you and I as the church. What do we need to do next? What do we do? Our president has declared a national day of prayer. For the Christians, this shouldn't be too different than every day. But I sense that it is. I sense that you, like me, Jesus comes to your temple. And with love, with love, he says, I'm going to flip some tables. Okay, Luke, look, look at my eyes. Look at me, Luke. You know I love you, right? You see me crying for you, pleading for you. I'm going to, can you trust me? Like the hall of faith, can you trust me? I'm going to provide an opportunity for you, Luke. It's not the same opportunity you want. It's not a you know, bigger platform or uh, an event that, that you want to go to, a, a speaking engagement. No, Luke, it's a different opportunity for you. I'm going to get your heart. I'm going to shake you. And here the disciples are distracted by the temple and the gathering place. And man, I, I love Sundays. I love gathering with you guys. I love it. But we can't let Sunday gatherings get in the way or take place of gathering with him daily and holding fast the confession of faith with each other. And I have experienced in just this last couple of days more times of repentance and prayer and intercession and being led by the Spirit than I have in a long time. And I want you guys to rise up and say, yes, Lord, shake me if you need to. Use me. Take me to my neighbor's house to watch a stream. Tina, I know you're watching right now. And man, I love what God's doing in your life. And man, I use my life to pray for others. It's an opportunity. As a matter of fact, guys, this was recorded in Matthew 25, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Oh, let me just read to you out of Luke 20. You don't need to turn there. I'll, I'll read it to you. This is the same portion of Scripture. Luke 21, Jesus is teaching. And Luke's the only one who records this particular way that Jesus said it. He said, during this time that you're going to be arrested and things will be shook. But in verse 13 of Luke 21, he says, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Jesus is so radical. When his disciples said, hey, what are going to be the signs of the end of the time and what should we be looking for? Like when the world's about to end, what should we look for? And he says, I'll tell you. And he said something so crazy. He said, but, but listen, he said, it will be for you an occasion for testimony. Because <laughs> these guys are listening to Jesus say, say what? They're going to arrest us and put us in, you're going to kick us out of synagogues? Like, what? And he's like, oh, it's going to be an opportunity. Well, I think Jesus and I have different definitions of opportunity. And that may be true. And so Jesus says, take no thought for what you're going to say. Almost get, the Holy Spirit's in you, Christians, Okay. He's evident in me. He's in me. I feel him. I sense him. I, I love him. He's in you too. He wants to use you. Right now you're being shook. Guys, the last thing I want to talk about today, and I'm done. By the way, I don't need, I don't, there's no one here nodding off sleeping. I could just keep going. I mean, there's a lot of book here. I could just, <laughs> I did set a little sneak secret timer over here. I know, what I'm, I, I know what I'm doing. Hey, I do have one more story though. It's in the book of Acts, chapter four. You can turn there if you would. Acts chapter 4, it's the early church. John and Peter have healed a man. 
They did a good thing. They, they were reaching out and they got arrested for it. You can read the whole story because the Pharisees were scared because they were using Jesus' name. And when they get arrested, the Pharisees come together and the Pharisees tell John and Peter, Peter, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you go. Here's the new rule, though. No more gatherings of people over 250. Okay, that's the new rule. <laughs> Something like that. They actually made it even more severe. They said, you can't, you can't preach in Jesus' name anymore. Okay, we're just going to make it a state law. It's done. Enough. No more Jesus. Okay? It's kaput. It's kaput. It's done. It's over. That's the new law. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says something profound. He says, guys, brothers, uh, do you think we should obey you or God? You decide. And he says in chapter 4, he says, we actually can only do and speak the things we've seen and heard. He said, this Jesus is real. Like, they got Jesus' real hoodies on. Like, we don't know how to, we, that's all we own is Jesus' real hoodies, man. Like, he's real. And so the Pharisees get all mad, and they threaten them some more. Threats. Just threats. It wasn't even real. It's just a threat. A real threat, but not real. It's just a threat. Here's my point, and here's what I want you guys to do. It says in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John threatened, arrested, commanded, tested. I want you to do exactly what they did, okay? Read with me in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Stop right there. Eyes up here. They got let go. You know the first thing they did? They went to their own companions. They went to their life group. They went to their families. They went to their friends, the other disciples. They found other people to fellowship with because you can't do this alone. We're not intended to do this alone. This is so radical. So radical. Nationwide, worldwide, churches are meeting in homes today. Not even by choice. We're forced to. You still have the option. You can stay home. That's fine. And I, I get it. Guys, this is going to be a radical test in 2020. Where are you going to find church? Where are you going to find fellowship? Let me ask a couple questions. Do you, do you like coming to church where you get to sneak in, sit down, speak to nobody, hear an amazing life-changing sermon 52 days out of the year, and get spoon-fed the truth and then leave full because you experience something close and then you come back on Sunday again empty and you, go, you just keep going. Do you like that? Or do you want more? Let me ask a different question. Do you think God wants more? I'm going to ask that again. Do you think God lovingly looks at you, his son, his daughter, who he saved? He died for you? And he looks at your life and he says, I've got more for you. I've got so much more than a Sunday gathering. As awesome as that, I've got more. You're, you're selling out for so many other things. And I think the Lord's heart is so broken in love that he allows this shakeup in this way. Because he says, guys, I want, I want more. And it's going to begin with your response. What are you going to do? friend of mine on Facebook I shared as Ashley Ann she, she shared a post and I just, I'll share it with you 
She said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here where I live and I'm just waiting for Sunday so I can watch the stream and just get blessed. South Beach Church stream. And she said, you know what? It dawned on me. I'm going to go seek the Lord. I'm going to go seek the Lord without the Sunday stream. And I thought to myself, that's it. You're doing it. The Lord is everywhere. He's with everyone at all times. Not just with the religious systems we have. Guys, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity if you're a Christian to say, oh man, my tables are flipped. Where's the Lord? He's right there. Here's what I want to challenge you guys to do. I want you to pray more. I want you to pray short prayers, long prayers, medium prayers. I want you to pray silent prayers where you're not even praying, you're just listening. I want you to do that this week. Not just this week, but the rest of your life. I want you guys to go to your companions. Go to the people that that will pray with you and pray for you. You have no idea what the Lord's going to do. How the Lord's going to redeem this time. We're so systematic. Hey, how you doing? Handshake, coffee, announcements, worship, teach and go home. The Lord says, man, I, I love you guys. You're doing great. It's a good, it's a good attempt. The temple, man, yep, it's pretty cool, pretty cool. But not one stone will be left upon another. Because the Bible says that God doesn't dwell in temples made of stone. But in your heart. Husbands, he wants you to radically repent and lead your, your wives and your, your kids differently. Wives, he wants you to radically repent and to, to serve your God and to serve your husband, to serve your kids and to, to serve as he made you. He wants you to repent. He has more. There's so much he wants to do. Guys, on, on Thursday, you know, I already shared a little bit last week. We, we, I woke up Thursday and we were just going to adjust. Just, <laughs> we were going to adjust, cap the services at 249, just, you know, be, be tough. And Pastor Adam Durkin said, Luke, is it okay if we just go, can we go seek the Lord and see what he would say? I said, yeah, that's a, I mean, yes, of course. And so we had a devotional and, and we all went and walked around. I went outside on the other side of the building. I sat on the concrete and let the sun kiss my face. And, and I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And immediately, just the Lord said, Luke, Luke, lead. Be courageous. Stand firm. I was like, oh, okay, sweet. I got the beard for that. Let's do it, you know. And I kind of thought the Lord, I kind of thought the Lord was saying, just do church, bro. Don't be a baby. Lead, man, you know. That's what I thought, because that's what I wanted to do. It's like, okay, confirmation. We're going to lead. Yeah, doing it. And immediately, the Lord gave me the next word. And it was, rest in me. Like, literally, enjoy me. Don't be fearful. It just, you got to enjoy me more now than ever before. It's called the peace in the storm. To rest in the Lord. To, to, to really, truthfully, and, and fully rest in Him. The Bible says that there's one labor to enter into, and it's the rest of the Lord, to believe that he's actually done enough. And the next word, immediately after that, the Lord spoke to my heart, was, Luke, I want you to pray. I want you to to teach others to pray. I want you to be more spiritual, more involved with me, more connected. Read, pray, seek. And I got these words in succession, and so we went back to my office and the pastors, and we shared, and, and as things began to develop in the state of Oregon and really in the whole country, we began to see that we weren't meeting. And so I started to ask myself, well, 
if we're not meeting, then how am I going to lead courageously and, and be brave? And the Lord said, you're going to need that, son. And I believe he's given me that. And, and I want you to rest. And I have been so confident. I think that's the word. In him. I'm resting in him. Not fearful. Ooh, you know, what are we going to do? What about tithe and offering? What about people showing up? <laughs> P.O. Box 950. Send it in. I'm not even worried about it. God's going to take care of our needs. I have no fear. It's because I know who Jesus is. Do you know who Jesus is? Okay. It's an opportunity for testimony. And the third thing is to pray more. Guys, I'm, I'm going to close with this. I want you to read Acts 4. It says that they went to their own companions. I'm going to read verse 24. And so when they heard that, heard what? That you can't preach in Jesus anymore. Listen. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you're the God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Their first prayer was, Lord, you're so big. You made heaven, earth, and the sea. Have you ever tripped out on how big heaven, earth, and the sea are? Okay. Do me a favor. Just trip out a little bit this week. Instead of telling God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. They start their prayer. Lord, they're praying. Oh, no. Christianity is illegal. What should we do? I don't know. Let's pray to the God who made heaven, earth, and the sea and all that's in it. Let's go to that guy. Let's do that. Let's run to the one who owns it all. What are we afraid of? For real. You afraid right now? Why? Pray to the God who created heaven. Heaven's big. Heaven is so big. It's so big. Just go geek out on it tonight. The stars are going to be out. We got some sunshine ahead of us. Just geek out on the stars. Guys, just a little illustration. If the earth were an apple seed and the sun were a beach ball, Okay, they would be separated by 90 feet. That's, a, that's the distance between them and the dis- difference of size, a beach ball and an apple seed. 90 feet, 30 yards. There's another star, the next star within our galaxy after the sun. The sun is just a big star. We got one. It's pretty cool. It's in our solar system. And then after the beach ball sun, the next star would be not 90 feet or 120 feet. Listen, the next star would be in New Zealand, okay? The distance to New Zealand. That's how far the next star is, 4.3 light years away from planet Earth. That's just two stars. God made everything. Here's my, here's my application. Guys, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Go to your companions. Have church at people's homes. Invite people where two or more are gathered. That's good. He's there. Have church at Starbucks. Have church at Subway. Go to Arctic Circle. Go to Georgie's. Go to Clearwater, okay? Support the local businesses while we still can. Have church. And then pray. What did they do? They prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They prayed to the God who was big. And the second thing, they prayed to God in two ways. This is it, my final thoughts. Two ways. They remembered how big God was and is. And then, listen, this is so important. Bible students, listen. They then declared... What God said. They rehearsed scripture. Look at, look at verse 25. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, listen, to do whatever your hand and your purpose 
determined beforehand to do. Stop there. Eyes here. Guys, this is actually simple. I hope I didn't complicate it for you. The church in Acts 4, they're in trouble. So they go to their companions. Okay? They, they, they don't forsake the assembling. They look at each other differently. Guys, let me say it so simply. When I drive around anywhere and I see a Christian fish on a car, I'm just going to leave my own little mind how I think. My first reaction is not, oh, a believer. Wow. You know, my first thought is, wow, I need to call the cops on that guy. They don't know how to drive. You know what I'm saying? Here's, my, here's, my, here's what I want to do. Can you imagine in the early church when they saw believers, that fish, it was actually invented in the days of oppression and carnage in the church. And in order to have fellowship, it was a secret way of communicating. A man would be walking and he would see another person. He didn't know if he was a Christian or not. And he was penalized by death. And so that man would then go to the sand and he would take his finger and he would just draw a half moon. He'd walk away. And if that person was a Christian, they would go to that line and complete the half moon, making the ichthus, the fish. And it was, it was actually a, an identity so they could have fellowship and unity. And you would say, oh, you're a believer? You're a Christian? Oh my gosh, I can find safety with you and I can, I can love you and there's fellowship? I'm just going to be honest. America, where we're at, we take each other for granted. Other churches and other Christians. And maybe I'm speaking for myself, but if you have any kind of alignment with, with that, that problem... I'm in trouble. I look at people and I love them. I want to love them more. We're not going to be able to fellowship till Easter Sunday. We don't even know if that's going to happen. Wouldn't it be radical if you saw people differently and said, dude, I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. You love Jesus. I can't. You're the most valuable thing right now in front of me. And wouldn't it be awesome is if we went to each other, our own companions in that way. Please do this for me. Do, do it with me. I love you guys. Every single one of you. The second thing they did is they prayed in, in the two ways. I, again, I just summarize. They prayed and they reminded themselves how big God is. And then they reminded themselves what God said. They quoted Psalm 2. Hey, didn't the Lord say this was going to happen? Yeah. Oh, cool. Why are we tripping? Didn't the Lord give us instruction? B-I-B-L-E. Didn't he tell us what to do in this time? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Then pray the scriptures in. The Lord knows. They rehearsed. They said, Lord, you even knew, you predestined that Jesus would die. None of that was out of your control. Did you know that none of this is out of God's control? Is that how your prayers look? Right now. He's totally in control. God wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to change. God, God wants to use you in such a powerful way. He's shaking up your whole deal. Temples or tables are flipping. And God says, let's be the church. starts with repentance it starts with humility if my people will humble themselves and turn from their evil ways the things that are spoken of in Hebrews 12 the weights that so easily ensnare us the blessings of our culture possibly possibly have become so burdensome that we can't see the Lord anymore. And so he's shaking it. 
Don't be distracted like the disciples. But Lord, look. Look at the temple. Look at this beautiful. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. Look at the way we do church on Sundays. And man, we just got it. Could it be a distraction? It, could, that, could the Lord be resetting us? Could he be resetting us? I believe the Lord wants to do a work. I'm committed. I am committed to repenting of the systems and the temples that I've constructed, the, the things that I've held dear to that the Lord says, I'm going to prune that. I'm going to cut away the leafy branches so I might produce more fruit. It's produced fruit. Good job. It's cool. It's really cool. I want more fruit. So I'm going to prune it. Because I love you. And I want more for you. Let me just ask this question. Would you say in your life as a Christian that you're spirit-led? That you're sensitive to his voice? That you're available to his call? That you're willing to serve? That you're willing to be stretched? Are you willing to suffer? <laughs> American? This is our opportunity. It's not even hard yet. I believe the Lord's just, this is a warm-up. This is the preview to the real movie. <laughs> Have you read the book? It's full of suffering. Our Savior, he calls us to himself, the supreme sufferer. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Jesus Christ loves you right now so much, right where you're at. Maybe you're, you're watching this for some reason, a rebroadcaster at the 11 o'clock watch party or, or whatever. The Lord made you in his image. He made your soul when you were conceived. The Bible declares he did that. And he went to work and knitted you together. Psalm 139, you're knit together. Just like you are. God says, I love you so much that I will climb up on that cross of Calvary and die for your sins. That you might live for me here. And when you die, live with me there. Guys, if you're... Jesus Christ said, it's so, it's so simple. Hebrews, Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that faith is saving faith. And that saving faith will lead to, lead to a life changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord right now and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you'll be saved. It's that simple. Believe in him. Give your life to him. He didn't just save you so he could run around hoarding toilet paper. <sighs> he saved you so you could be a servant. So we live our lives for the glory of God and the good of others. Guys, it's the National Day of Prayer. and I'm going to end now. I want you to pray in your groups. If you have a leader there, or a, a man or a woman, a facilitator that can just, just pray. Guys, this is, don't expect normalcy. 
Nothing's normal right now. This is unprecedented times. There's, all bets are off. Everything's done. The tables are flipped. Do not miss the opportunity to let things be radically different in the way you pursue Jesus Christ. Man, would it be held against us? Would we be accountable if we missed this opportunity to repent, to turn from our evil ways, to cry out to the Lord that he might heal our land, beginning with your own heart? Guys, let's pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, in Jesus' name, we surrender to you. This is real. This is happening. This is live. This is real stuff on planet Earth right now. And as we read the Bible, we see it fits. It all aligns. And so, Lord, if you're shaking us out of our slumber, shaking us out of our sleep, we thank you. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would have your way, that you would leave us, Lord, not comfortable in our normalcies in systems, but instead tables flipping, a reorganizing of our hearts. Would you do that? We invite you. Lord, I trust you to search my heart and my mind, flip my tables, get my attention. Lord, I repent of my pride, of my selfishness, Lord, of my fear of man, my desire to be comfortable, my desire to be in control. Lord, I surrender all to you. Would you have your way in my heart, in our hearts? Would you use us as the church is intended to be used as you give us opportunity to contend for the faith with our companions, praying to the God who is, expecting him to be a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Lord, we love you so much. We do not know what the future holds. It's crazy, but we do know who holds the future, and it's Jesus Christ. Would you be honored? Would you give us wisdom? Would you heal our land? Lord, would you minister to those who are suffering with illness, the ones who have coronavirus and the families, Lord, who are suffering fallout, would you minister to them? And the rest of the families in our world that suffer fallout from all pestilence and disease and plagues and famines, cancers and suicides and divorces. Lord, everyone in some ways being shook right now. And we plead for your mercy. Give us wisdom, Lord. We petition you. And we ask, Lord, that you would heal our land, that you would bring about a revival and a renewal. And may it begin, Lord, in the hearts of the believers. I believe a revival in the world begins in the church. As the church is revived, the rest of the world can be and will be saved. So forgive me, Lord, for being selfish, small thinking, carnal. Forgive me. Holy Spirit, would you do what you did in the early church after that prayer? The Bible says in Acts 4, after they prayed, the ground shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word of God multiplied. And it goes on to say that they gave of what they had and no one had any need because they were all generous in commonality and what they had to share. Lord, the opportunity is before us. Would you please give us wisdom? We need you desperately. We surrender all. 
Bless the churches in our area. Bless the churches in the world. Give us wisdom. Give us, Lord, that fellowship of the Spirit. We thank you for what you've done. Would you bless these groups now as they pray, individuals as they pray throughout the day, Lord, and whatever you're going to do. Jesus, we pray, come quickly, and would you use us, Lord, until then, for God's glory and for others' good. In Jesus' name, amen.